Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's February. It's Black History yeah. Month. Yeah. Excuse me. Black History Month. We need a longer month. Black History Month. We, we need like a whole be, year. We, we need a, a longer Black History month. Year. How about Black History Year yeah. for one year? Yeah. And, and, Out of every two years. Where do you, one year. Black History Year. All Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business with Mine with me, your host, Kara Berry. The Black History Bad Bitch Quote of the Week comes from the incomparable, nobody's done it better, Whitney fucking Houston. Born August 9th, 1963, she sadly passed February 11th, 2012. We all remember that day. It was Grammy weekend. It was so shocking, so tragic. What a loss. However, in the Black community, We don't dwell on loss. We don't mourn a loss. We celebrate a life. And that's what I'm here to do today. Now, I want to start off by saying that I think the only time America has ever been great was when Whitney Houston, in 1991, did the Super Bowl National Anthem. Unbelievable. Um, We have an incredible song of breaking up called It's Not Right, But It's Okay. I think, personally, it's like the best breakup song in in recorded history. It is a pillar of strength. It is actual receipts. It's getting that back, saying, I'm not happy, but I'm going to make it anyway, okay? Pack your bags up and leave. Don't you dare come running back to me. Okay. Um, I think that one of the greatest underrated things about Whitney is she does an interview. Now, Whitney is a pop diva, I think is great for shade. I think in order to be a true diva, 
Like if you're going to make it on that VH1 stage for DU is Live, I know they don't do that anymore. But if you are, I think you have to be shady and, and real good about it. Um, I think, you know, Aretha Franklin saying the Taylor Swift has great gowns, beautiful gowns. Amazing. I think, um, the, you know, Christmas is not complete for me without watching Patti LaBelle's Where My Background Singers video. Um, I think Whitney, you know, I think Mariah's like, I don't know her. All incredible. But Whitney tops them all. She has an interview on YouTube. And this is my required homework for you guys. If you have not heard this, Whitney does an interview with Wendy Williams that is unbelievable. I think Wendy tends to be pretty unflappable because she's a host. And, you know, back in the day, she was a radio host. So this was from her radio show back in 2003. Um, And I think even back then, she was known for being like even more kind of like uh, edgy, rude, like really, you know, getting to the root of the issue with celebrities and being like really messy about it. But I think Wendy really met her match. And like, truly, it's 25 minutes of just like, shade that you cannot believe. I mean, you will not see better shade than on Paris is burning. Um, the interview starts with Wendy going, Whitney, 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 and Whitney going, Wendy, Wendy, Wendy. And that's all I'm going to tell you because it just devolves from there. (laughs) It's, It's amazing. Um, I think that in 2002, like speaking of This is like a post-Diane Sawyer interview. Speaking of that interview, Whitney gave us like two of the most incredible contributions, like pop culture to slang, internet culture with that interview. Um, Obviously, I want to see the receipts. Like, where would we be? Where would we be without I want to see the receipts, you guys? You really need to think about that. Like, I think about like, where would we be if you know, we didn't have Sweet Brown saying, ain't nobody got time for that. Think about how different our world would be. (laughs) Um, I mean, I'm laughing, but it's true. But then, you know, there was another, like, you remember in that interview with Diane Sawyer that Whitney's voice was, like, going in and out? And so Diane confronts her about um, possibly having done crack, and she goes, first of all, let's get this straight. Crack is cheap. I make too much money to ever smoke crack. Let's get that straight, okay? We don't do crack. We don't do that. Crack is whack. <laughs> it is amazing. I mean, who says crack is whack in 2002? I mean, God. Wendy, Whitney, I miss you so much. We love you. I'm. Oh, my God. I would be completely an idiot to not bring up the incredible... And thank God for Phaedra Parks bringing... The hit show Being Bobby Brown to Bravo, probably one of the first shows that really hit, like, helped Bravo reach his stride with um, reality TV. Being Bobby Brown, I think you can watch pretty much all of it on YouTube. If y'all haven't watched that, why are you here? (laughs) I mean, I feel like part of my genetic makeup, part of my DNA is Being Bobby Brown. the scenes where they're like in the gift shop dancing and buying sunglasses. Um, There's a scene where Bobby tells us a very romantic story about how Whitney had to fish, uh, how he had to fish a doo-doo bubble out of Whitney's butt and how Whitney says, that's love. That's black love. That's real black love. (laughs) Um, 
it is just incredible. Whitney Houston, we speak your name and we celebrate your life today. And you guys with that, let's get on with the show. Y'all were so excited about the Lori Vallow story. I decided to keep it with the updates as much as I can. So um, I last week did not really delve into the doomsday prepper cult, whatever vibe um, that is part of the story because the organization has pretty much denounced um, Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell. They said that, like they're not part of their, you know, group that they don't agree with the align with their values of honesty and integrity, yada, yada, yada. But I do think that it is important, even if they're not part of this group to kind of like, they still have these beliefs. So I wanted to delve into that. So I will just say that like, okay, so when Lori's late husband, before he was killed, um, say that he, okay. So Lori's husband files for divorce prior to his death. And in the divorce documents filed by her husband, he said that she believes that she is a God assigned to carry out the work of the 144,000 at Christ's second coming in July of 2020. Um, and that Chad Daybell, her new husband has authored apocalyptic novels, quote, based loosely on Mormon religious theology. So Chad Daybell is an author. He has penned and self-published more than 25 doomsday books for Mormon audiences, including fantasies of a dystopian world wrought by bioterrorism attacks and catastrophic natural disasters. Now, Daybell had spoken at several preparing a people event events, which is the, the cult that people are saying. Um, and he and Lori had actually appeared together on an episode of the organization's podcasts, couldn't apparently it's not available it's been scrubbed from the internet um where but they discussed insights from chad's two near-death experiences and his quote visionary gift um according to chad's friend um this visionary gift led him to see or like predict the death of his first wife tammy and she's the one that died two weeks prior to chad and Lori getting married um the friend said the friend is Julie Rowe said he was emotionally distraught. He was crying and said that angels had told him that he was going to be losing Tammy. So that's that on that. Um, now we've had the son of Lori reach out again. He's sick of her shit and is over it. His name is Colby Ryan and he is, been doing these YouTube videos, but this is the first time he's spoken to um, actual media, and this was six days ago. Um, so <clears throat> they interviewed him, and he spoke to this publication, Fox 10, which is a local station in Phoenix, for about an hour. And they asked him if he thinks that his mom would harm JJ. You know, JJ is the autistic boy that was. Um, adopted from Lori's deceased husband. That's his blood. It's his grand nephew. So his, it's his siblings, grandchild. 
Um, so they asked if they thought that he would harm JJ and Tylee, which is, uh, Lori's daughter. And he said, I feel like my mom would die for the kids. So to see this and hear it and also be questioning why they're not being found, that's where all this comes into a battle into what you think and what you feel. Um, he's basically like, you know, questioning whether, you know, what her deal is, what her role is, is in his life. Um, he said that their relationship changed about a year ago after she moved from Arizona to Hawaii. So now this is the, Lori and Chad are in Hawaii, but this is the second time that Lori has lived in Hawaii. Um, so she actually had taken Tylee to live in Hawaii. Um, but after about a month, they came back. So they stopped talking. Colby and Lori stopped talking about the time that she moved to Hawaii the first time. Um, and then basically they didn't really speak until, um, Ryan got a call. Colby Ryan got a call from his mom saying that Charles, his stepdad had had a heart attack at the house. But, um, he, so basically she lied to him. She said that he had had a heart attack, but we all know that his uncle, Lori's brother shot him. So <clears throat> Brian says that when Colby, excuse me, Colby says that when he came to the house to go see about his mom, that then she revealed like what actually happened. And he was like, well, why would you tell me what's going on? This is way worse than <laughs> what you said. Like a heart attack is a tragic thing in itself, but like a murder is completely different. Um, so he's, you know, he's very questioning what happened with his stepdad. Um, then he said by the end of August 2019, Colby learned that his mom had planned to move out of Arizona again with the kids. She told him that he got a new job, that she got a new job and that she was moving. So that's it. She didn't tell him where he, she was going and no further details. Colby says he had no idea that they had gone to Idaho. Um, and that basically after that move that the communication declined, he, his mom, he couldn't hear from his mom anymore. And that his sister stopped answering her phone calls. So there is a Venmo profile under Tylee, the 17 year old daughter. And Colby confirmed that that is her Venmo account and that it showed two payments to him in October. Um, and that this was how Colby, Colby said that this is how um, Lori had basically used to transfer money. He says that like Lori wasn't tech savvy. So Tylee's account was used to transfer money to the kids. Um, but he says he doesn't know about those two transactions in October. He doesn't know whether Tylee made them or his mom did them. So the day before Thanksgiving, Colby said he finally knew something was wrong when the police asked him for the whereabouts of Tylee and JJ. And so he says that, you know, they came knocking on his door. And so he naturally called Lori and was like, um, two detectives just came to my door. Like, what's going on? And he said that Lori said, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. I love you. And he said that was it. Um, so we all know that Lori, they authorities also came to Lori's house to check on the kids and this was on November 26th she told them that they were with relatives and once the detectives found out that they were not with relatives they came back the next day and Lori had skipped town and now she's in Kauai where she remains 
Um, so Colby says, you know, I'm done with her the day that I saw them walking around with the kids or without the kids in Hawaii. Like that was, that was it for me. Now, there has been another, uh, uh, breakthrough that they discovered a storage unit in Idaho that belonged to Lori and was full of children's items, children's items, photos, and clothing. So the news outlet is reporting the police searched the 10 by 10 unit after they searched the family's home on November 27th. So the detectives not only came to Colby's house on the 26th, but they also came to Lori's house on the 26th. Um, and that's where the day that she skipped down. So the police searched it the next day. So they found video of Lori, like coming in and out of the storage unit multiple times. Um, so she rented it in the beginning of October and she went there multiple times over the next couple months. And it looks like from surveillance video that a man that came with her was her brother who died in November. Um, so excuse me, he, he died in December. So they really don't know. They said, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's full of stuff. Um, that Lori came the last time in November for four minutes and then they left. So as of now, Lori is still living footloose and fancy free in Kauai. Um, and there's really no telling like what is next in the investigation. So she had a court order deadline with the Idaho police to produce the children, which she has long since missed the deadline. Um, authorities said that they, that she could face, um, contempt of court issues, but they really have not done anything. So this is what is wild to me that she's still free. Is that like, she, I I just find this very confusing. Like, how do you issue an ultimatum to somebody? How does a police department issue an ultimatum to somebody? And then they don't follow it. And then they're still like, Oh, well, I guess we don't know what we're going to do with you. I, it is so crazy to me. It's like Hawaii can't do anything because technically she hasn't done anything illegal in Hawaii. Um, and the Hawaiian authorities are saying like, we're just waiting on um, the police department in Idaho to like, let us know what they want to do. So there are rumors of them being possibly extradited back to Idaho. But like I said, the Idaho police department has not made any moves in like the two weeks since it's the deadline to produce the children has passed. This is wild to me. Like I just, and I said last week, like maybe it was a, you know, a tactic to not say like publicly, these are the repercussions to your actions if you don't follow through. But like, obviously they didn't have a um, contingency plan if she didn't bring them. So it's, it, to me, it seems like it would make the most sense. Like you, I mean, I guess they don't really, I I don't really know. I don't understand. Like what does happen in the case of a missing child? What does happen if you can't produce them? Like, is it illegal to not have a child in your possession? 
I guess technically it isn't. But what are the consequences to that? I, it just seems like they should have, before issuing that deadline, they should have had like something concrete. They should have had like detect- detectives in Idaho, which I'm sure they do have undercover PIs there. I would hope. But to me, it seems like, okay, if she didn't meet the deadline, that there should have been an immediate consequence to that. Or at least, like, the kids were due on Thursday. Okay, you had until Thursday at midnight. Okay, well, Friday at 5 o'clock, you got to get the step in, sis. Like, I don't really know. And what do you... I guess I'm curious what y'all think she's going to do. Because now she's in Hawaii, which seems smart from one perspective of like you're out of the mainland but also not because now you're stuck in this tiny island (laughs) so there's really nowhere to go like it's not like they were living in Idaho or and then they could like travel to Texas let's say and then like fly out of the country you know um it just seems like a silly idea to be stuck on an island now Um, so yeah, I'm going to keep following this because it is wild to me that she is just free to do whatever she wants. She's probably eating shave ice as we speak. Um, I just can't believe this. (laughs) I just can't believe it. It's wild. Okay. Next subject. So this week I reached out to you guys. By the way, if you don't follow me on Instagram on everyone's business but mine, please do. I'm really starting to, like, uh, you know, post more content. I really want it to be, like, a community for you guys. Uh, Facebook groups, as many of you guys know, can be very cursed. I'm never going to do one. So if you want to talk to me, you can uh, find me on Instagram. Um, But I got a suggestion from Shira, and she wanted me to watch a show that just premiered on Monday that I have never seen the franchise before. I'm not familiar with it. Um, This is like a complete branch of Bravo that I'm completely unfamiliar with. But I decided to watch Below Deck Sailing Yacht. Now listen, I am, I've been on a couple of carnival cruises in my life, so I'm accustomed to like a lifestyle of luxury on the high seas. Um, and I thought it would be interesting to see like how the staff kind of made it all happen. Like really down in Abbey, I'm here for it. Um, the crew is headed to Greece and we have our captain Glenn, who seems like Harvey, like he looks like Harvey Lemon of TMZ, but he looks like like if you've ever seen the movie us he's like the nice tether of harvey like some he's giving me very like canadian kind you know strong but balanced you know i'm loving him already um we're introduced to adam the chef who in a 10 second montage of like who he is look like seven different people so that's gonna be fun for me um we meet jenna who's the chief steward and she is not here to give anyone a participation award okay She said that she has a tight face and even tighter boundaries. Um, We have Paget, who is the first mate, who is either like Australian or South African. I don't know. But either way, both of those men types of men are cursed. So I'm nervous already. Um, We meet Madison, who is a second steward who thinks that she can twerk. She can't. Um, We have Georgia, who is the third steward. And she says that she was born for this shit of Helping people on yachts? I don't know. That's a thing to say. Um, we have Byron, the chief engineer, who I can tell is going to be boring, so whatever. He's going to be like the Peter Vanderpump rules of this show. Um, we have Parker, who is a deckhand, who is... Seems very confident, but I have a feeling that he can't kiss. 
I don't know. I can just tell. Um, so we start with Captain Glenn, who says that he's been chartering this particular boat for the past 10 years, but in the last nine months or so, he and Sierra and Paget have been prepping the boat for the next trip. So they're kind of like the core group on the boat. <clears throat> Um, Sierra is going to be moving from steward to deckhand when more of the crew arrives, which will put her and Paget um, in the same department for the first time. And I'm led to believe that that is potential for drama. Um, apparently, Paget and Sierra are dating. They've been dating for four years. Um, <clears throat> so Adam arrives first, the chef, and he says, like, guess who's back? So I'm assuming he must have been on another uh, thing of below deck. He's got on Ray-Bans and that, like, that you know that shirt that says like the endless summer that like everybody had and everybody had the poster. I mean, this is like 2019, but okay. He's happy. He's saying he's happy to be single, and I'm already stressed out. <clears throat> we have Jenna and Madison who arrive, and Madison is talking about like how she's so high energy that she runs on coffee and sweet tarts. She's a very like deep like kind of Elizabeth Holmes type voice, which is the only thing that I'm um, enjoying from her at this point. So we're at 23 hours before the charter is set to sail and Georgia shows up and she meets Paget, who I said was either South African or Australian. And they actually explain where their accents come from. Okay. So it turns out that Paget is actually English and that Georgia is South African, but her mom is English. So she has sort of like an English slash South African accent, which is, oh, Lord, this is going to be a long road for me. <laughs> um, so then we get Jenna, the chief stew. She sits down with Madison and Georgia, the other stewards, and tells them, like, she, like I'm not a hard ass, but, like, I don't like my authority questioned, okay? And she and Adam, excuse me, Adam and Jenna go and talk about how, like, the ship is not as ready as it should be and that it's starting to look like Sierra and Paget's apartment. Um, then we get flashbacks of, like, they're having, like, a whole crew talk. Um, Captain Glenn's talking about, like, you know, like, just how he likes to run the ship. We get this whole um, flashback of Adam getting yelled at by Captain Sandy. Now, I know enough about the show to know that people mostly like Captain Sandy, I think. So I'm assuming that, like, whatever beef is going on is all Adam's fault. I mean, truly, like, I've lived in New York long enough to know that, like, chefs are some of the most cursed men in the entire world. Like, you think that you're going to get a great deal out of this, but they're, like, maybe, like, three good men in the, in the world of, uh, of culinary arts. It's crazy. They're wild. Anyway, Adam's kind of cute. Oh, God. Okay. So the boat, I mean, they're showing like linens everywhere. All of the like cushions that are supposed to go out are just all piled up. And this is clearly not anyone's version of finished. Um, Madison says, it looks like Giselle Bunchen on the outside and, 2007 Britney Spears in the inside. Both of these are completely outdated references for a girl who looks like she can't be more than 25. And like, can we cut it with the Britney Spears crazy shame? Like, are we above that now? Aren't we all tapping into our mental health and like being kinder to each other? Like, truly leave Britney alone. Um, Alan and Jennifer Ward are the guests. Now, Alan worked as a high-level engineer at Apple, and they're going to be bringing their daughter, Emily, and her friend, Peyton, um, a friend of Alan's name, Alicia, and her husband, Guy. Um, 
the daughter Emily and her friend Peyton are have just graduated from college and we find out that Alicia and Guy were supposed to have gotten married the day before the thing was started. So like today in filming land. Um, so they're going to be like basically spending their honeymoon with this. And that's how I know like rich people are on some new shit because like imagine I assume most of you guys are like middle class, lower middle class, upper middle class. Like imagine like getting married and then being like oh i'm gonna go on a boat with my friends and like her kid i mean even if the kid's like in college i don't know it, it's, it's a weird choice for a honeymoon um the crew's still cleaning it basically looks like a frat house and i can't imagine like they said that they have not chartered this boat in nine months like i just can't imagine how it looks so bad like you've had all the time in the world to get this shit together like they're clean they're still washing linens and like there's truly stuff everywhere it is crazy to me um so okay (sighs) this show is stressing me out (laughs) madison is talking to the, the other stewards like jenna and georgia and she's they're like having a talk like oh have you ever been in a relationship with somebody who like worked on a boat and madison says that she was seeing a guy the year before but like it wasn't serious but they got two drunk tattoos together she says that she's like really smart about my drunk tattoos because i make like a point of hiding them and she says she has five drunk tattoos and two that she got when she was sober Then she pulls down her lip and shows us that she has a tattoo that says meow, you know, under her lip. And she's like, it says meow. And I hate cats. (laughs) Well, I hate you, Madison. (laughs) Um, So the family arrives and the newlyweds, the family arrives. So it's like Alan and his wife, Jennifer, and their daughter, Emily and Peyton, they arrive, but they're expecting six. And they, um, Alan tells us like, oh, you know, um, Alicia and Guy are flying to Athens right now, so they'll meet us on the boat later. Um, So they come, and there's like a whole receiving live of introductions. They're shaking hands of the crew. There's champagne. There's hot towels. They get a tour of the whole yacht, and Alan and Jennifer are like, oh, this is so beautiful. And Jenna... Chief Seward, who said like 20 times how professional she is, how perfect everything is supposed to be. She's like, well, you wouldn't have said that yesterday, which is like, put that on the board of shit that I don't want to hear when I just spent thousands of dollars to stay somewhere. Like, don't tell me that it looked like shit the day before, (laughs) right? Like, am I wrong about that? I just, I wouldn't want to hear that. I don't know. Um... Anyway, they're now out to sea. Adam's getting a little bit annoyed because they only want sushi and like sashimi right now. And he was really looking forward to making like more Greek food. Um, But I would say like the tuna looked amazing. The sushi looked incredible. I would have eaten it. They, the guests seemed really happy with it too. Um, The newlyweds, Guy and Alicia arrive by water taxi later. Um, there's a whole thing about like going sailing and how, you know, like a sailboat isn't like a fully, a full sailboat these days. Like they're, they do have motors obviously, and they're most important for getting like it, you know, in and out of ports and you know, the accuracy of that. But like when they are out in the water, they do take the sails out and the 
they talk about like how much they love it and there's something about a donkey dick and like how you have to like align the sales correctly and if you don't get it right because it they excuse me it's like a kind of like a projector but it's like you have to have the donkey dick has to be right or something otherwise when you fold up the sails like they have to be on a certain track and if you don't have it in the donkey dick i think this is correct that it like goes off track but like so you would have to like completely fix 60 feet worth of sail in in order to like weave it back into that track so it's like a big deal um, but anyway, the new Leeds arrive and they are wasted. The crew gets ready for dinner and Jenna <clears throat> is like losing it because they're having steak and there are no steak knives on board. Now Jenna's already annoyed with, <laughs> they keep panning to like whenever, whenever, um, Jenna says how she, how annoyed she is. They never pan to Paget. They never really pan to Captain Glenn. They always pan to um, Sierra, which I noticed that it seems like they're preparing us for drama between Jenna and Sierra. Um, so Guy and Alicia arrive and Guy's like, I'm four gin and tonics in and like he's wasted. We find out that Guy and Alicia didn't even get married the day before because honestly, I I really don't know. Alicia says that the president is in Loma. <laughs> and that's all that I was able to to decipher from what she said because I rewound it truly probably a dozen times and I could not understand what she was saying or what president she was referring to. Something, whatever. They were supposed to get married in Vegas. The president's in Lomo. Um, they weren't able to get married. So Jenna <laughs> says, she's in a talking head. She's like, somehow I know that the only person who's going to get fucked or, you know, like screwed out of this is me. Why would them not getting married end up screwing you over? I'm really not sure. But Jenna goes straight into action and is like, oh, Captain Glenn, can you marry them? And Guy's like, let's do it. Let's get married. <laughs> let's do it right now. And so it basically cuts off with, you know, like a will they, won't they? Will Guy and Alicia get married or not? Will Alicia fall off the boat? Who knows? <laughs> um, so my review of the show is fine. It's fine. Jenna and Madison, I already know, are going to aggravate the hell out of me. Um, I don't think that this, you know, if we're taking it in, like, Greek-based shows, for me, this is no Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club. Like, is it too late to get Panos to come on and bully people? Can Lindsay, you know, rise out of the water and try to do an audition for Ariel? Can she do a spoken word poem about, like, the ocean and how it relates to her time on Prairie Home Companion? I would like to see it. But I'm hopeful and I'm going to keep going and we'll see if, if the drama ramps up. So let me know for you below deck heads, like, was this a good example of the show? Does it, is it typically more dramatic? Like, I know that there have been a lot of issues with sexual assault on the show and recently. So I'm confusion. But like, yeah, y'all let me know, like, if this is good and should I continue? 
All right, y'all, let's get into some Married at First Sight. It is day five, and the couples are getting ready for a group outing. Um, I'm going to start with Brandon and Taylor, and they start off in bed. And unlike last episode, Brandon seems to be in a much better mood, but he goes to tell Taylor, like, oh, you get ready, and I'll come you know, I'll come a few minutes behind you. I'm going to stay in bed. Um, he tells us that having the cameras in his face has been really difficult because he's a very private person. And Taylor says that she's actually grateful for the argument that they had because it proved that they can work through anything. Ooh, if that isn't foreshadowing, I don't know what is. <laughs> um, we go to Katie and Derek. Katie is still in like the ultimate honeymoon phase. She said she's feeling like this is a dream. And Derek says that this is like the biggest leap of faith that he's ever made. Um, but he feels like it's right on. Um, we go to Jessica and Austin. Uh, Jessica says that she's really happy that they're compatible like in every way and that the sex is great. Um, Austin finds the fact that she's like an assertive kind of tell like it is woman really attractive as we know he's like a mama's boy grandma grandma's boy so yeah all this authoritative women action is very attracted to him um they discuss maybe getting a dog in the future Jessica's like oh you know like let's go through the moving in process first like that'll be a big adjustment but like they're already deciding to get a dog This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Um, so we're going on a couple's excursion and we see all the couples in the van. Um, except for Micah. Oh my God, I'm going to keep doing this. Mika and Michael. Um, the couples start talking about like what their plans are for kids. If there are any, um, Zach and Mindy said like, they're not even close to being there, you know, even talking about that right now. So, um, you know, they're not even there yet. There is no timeline for that. Um, Brandon and Taylor said that they actually had a conversation about it the night before and that they want one, maybe two kids, but not anytime soon. And Katie, as we remember, like, because she's diabetic, she says that like, you know, the earlier she gets pregnant, the better, the easier it's going to be for her. So she says that she has like pretty much a hard deadline of two years, which Derek is actually doesn't seem to be scared. Like he's totally on board for that. Um, Jessica and Austin show up late and they're like, oh, well, good. We're glad we're not the last couple. And one of the girls says, oh, well, actually, um, Mika and Michael are not showing up. Um, so then we get to them and the shots of them, like gazing longingly in the distance. Mika's on her bed in her hotel room. Michael is in the, um, 
on the balcony of his hotel room. It's like very, you know, there's like sad pop music playing in the background. It's really Laguna Beach, except for they're black. Like imagine like a black Jason and Lauren Conrad, like just having a moment. Um, did you guys actually know <laughs> that there was a, um, a spinoff of Laguna Beach on BET called Baldwin Hills? And it was about like um, Baldwin Hills, like a neighborhood in uh, like South L.A., um, that was, it's kind of like an enclave of, you know, like black, the well-to-do in the black community. Um, but yeah, that was a great show. No, it wasn't. Um, anyway, Mika sits in bed. She's eating a whole plate full of pineapple, like JonBenet Ramsey. And she tells <laughs> such a bad reference, <laughs> but I'm not going to take it back. And she tells us that this isn't how she wanted to spend her honeymoon. And she's like wondering if she should try harder to be his friend. Michael says that all of this is very disappointing because he takes his vows very seriously, but he feels like he's failing, but he doesn't want to spend another night alone. And he's hopeful that they can do a better job of finding common ground. Now, I don't understand. Michael keeps saying like, oh, I'm not wearing my ring because I feel like a disgrace to my marriage. Like I'm not holding up to the vows that I've, that I took. Like, isn't that a big part of it? I don't know. Like, I feel like... (laughs) you not wearing your ring is like, you're like punishing yourself in a way. I mean, to me, it shows like a a step back in terms of your commitment. If anything, I would be like, I feel like I have failed this marriage, but I, it's important to me that I keep this ring on to show you that I am committed. Right. Am I wrong about that? I don't know. But anyway, the rest of the couples go on this like catamaran excursion Derek says he's stoked and thinks this is going to be a friggin' awesome day. Taylor gets Derek to take a picture of her, like, out on the boat. And then we find out that um, Taylor has, like, a fairly large uh, social media following. Apparently she's got, like, 13,000. Well, at the time of filming, she had, like, 13,000 followers. Um, Brandon is, like, captaining the ship, you know, like, when they let kids, you know, go on to the, hold the wheel and pretend like they're doing something. And he tells us that he, you know, she's got this big following on Instagram. She's constantly posting and how bizarre it is. Um, yeah. So this is going to be a point of contention in the future. I can tell. Um, Mindy and Zach are like, Oh, like it was just like the quickest scene. Like, Oh, I really want to go out. Like, you know, how in those catamarans, they have like the nets that you can go like, and it's like, big enough that everybody can lay out. It's like, you know, like eight to 10 people can lay out on it. Um, so Mindy's like, Oh, like I was talking about going on lay out on those nets in a few minutes. And then the show launches into this like really bizarre. And maybe I just don't notice it because I'm like taking notes at the same time. But like this really caught me off guard and they do it in the rest of the episode too. But like this, these two moments really like were cracking me up. So the show launches into this like bizarre romantic. Now the lead into this montage is like, let's just go lay out basically. <laughs> so then it's like this really romantic montage of all the couples. And it's like the colors are really saturated to like take in the sea. And there's like seagulls squawking in the air. There's <laughs> like a, 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 a song that's playing and there's like, you know, like folky power bow. It's like, <laughs> you live to feel the sun. You live to feel the rain. You live to feel the love. And that won't ever change. <laughs> like literally is so psychotic. They're just hanging out on the beach. 
on the boat. Okay, so that's like a 10 second montage and then the boat docks and, you know, somebody, one of the deckhands or whatever announces like, oh, you guys can go swimming, you know, have fun. Then comes this like intense like rap pop music. It's very like, like if you wanted to play safe music at like a Christian Bible school, like this would be the kind of music that you played. And it's like, Nope, I'm not even going to sing it. But the lyrics are, everybody come in. Come on, let's ride. Let's scream it like we mean it. Whoa. (laughs) Hey, ho, where are we going? Uh, Don't know, don't care, because everybody knows when we arrive, the party come alive. (laughs) This is the music that they chose for a bunch of grown-ass adults literally just jumping into water. Of course, naturally, Austin needs to jump in with a pool noodle like he's Ramona Singer, and he says like how glad he is to have somebody who's as adventurous as Jessica because... He says he's never jumped into open water before, which I like, I know that's peop- like a fear of people's, but it's just like, Austin, baby, come on. Uh, then we, you know, go from fun in the sun with the group to Mika and Michael, who are walking around like in the Panama City area. Um, the, the, I guess the experts had told them like, just stay in town and like take time for the two of you. Um, so Michael says that his goal is to be a little bit more vulnerable. They go to like a shaved ice stand and they notice some kids that are like nearby. And Michael, you know, talks about how important the educational system is to him because he works in education and he works with special needs kids. And he was like, you know, confiding in her about his work and like how, you know, there were these a couple teachers in his life that like, you know, if he had not met them, that he, his life really would have gone like a bad way. And, you know, that he just wants to be that kind of mentor and that teacher to his students. (laughs) Then he goes on to say that like, he is like approaching the way he works with special needs kids in the same way that he's approaching this relationship, (laughs) which like, Seems like an odd thing to say. I don't know. Um, uh, Mika barely says anything at all. She frankly seems a little bit bored, but she starts to open up a little bit. And they're talking about, like, traveling. And she's talking about how, like, how important travel is to her and how much she wants to, like, give that to her children so they can be open-minded and have all these great experiences, blah, blah, blah. Um. Then she says that she thinks that actually the most, she said, you know, this was very strange to me. She said, Michael was part of the reason why they had issues in the beginning, but she thinks that most of the initial friction was her not getting over her own BS and putting, and not like putting her best foot forward, which I thought was very strange that she took so much ownership of that because like, if Michael said what he said and she seems pretty adamant that he did about like having this timeline for sex and like, I don't know why she would put most of that on herself. I don't really think that's fair to her, but the 25 year old really jumped out (laughs) in that moment. Um, they go shopping and Michael buys a puka shell necklace, which honestly really make turns Mika on and things seem to take a turn for the best for them. Um, then we go back to the boat, the men and the women separate, they're, you know, having their age group conversations on the beach. The guys are on the beach discussing sex and like, who's done it and who's not, you know, Austin says like, he doesn't kiss and tell and that like Jessica would kill him if he said anything, even though she already told cameras that they had sex and that she loves it. Um, <laughs> Brandon starts to like 
like he's clearly one of those guys who's like he has to one up you in some way so like even though brandon and taylor have not had sex they had that like romantic moment where he drew a bubble bath for her blah 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 um but they didn't consummate the marriage and i just feel like he he always has to be like you know but you know we're at this stage or we talked about this and blah 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 um but he did say that you know, he said, like, oh, it feels like we've been together for so long. Like, we've been together for years. and But he does admit that he was, like, an, acting like an idiot and that he tends to shut down emotionally and that he was happy that Taylor's so supportive of him, like, going through his moods. Then Zach says Mindy's really mature, so their issue isn't miscommunication, but that he's never been in a situation when he had to, where he had to allow attraction to evolve or search for an attraction. <laughs> then it cuts to Brandon, who's like, uh, sounds like he's not attracted to Mindy, and I know for myself that if I wasn't attracted to my significant other, they would not be my significant other. So now we said it. Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> then Derek, they cut to Derek and it says, he's like, I don't really know what Zach is ever talking about. He's like, and he's confusing as fuck. And bloop, bloop for you, Derek. Point number two is made. <laughs> um, then we go to the girls and they discuss like, you know, the more practical real world changes that are going to happen when they get back home, like having to change their name and, uh, you know, like figure out health insurance and, um, Taylor mentions that like when they checked into the hotel that Taylor had signed her name as her legal, you know, maiden name and not used Reed, which is his last name. And they're like, well, yeah, because it's not legally your name yet. And then she mentions that he, Brandon is kind of moody and the girls are kind of like, yeah, we've, you know, sort of noticed that. But then she tells them all about how he, you know, drew her bath, uh, the night before and like how things are really going well. But then you can tell that Mindy starts to get, again, frustrated because she's not in the same place that the other girls are. And we've seen this happen a few times before. Like, anytime the girls mention their, you know, their benchmarks, that it really kind of sets Mindy back emotionally. And that it's something that she then takes to Zach, which I think is not something that she should be doing every time because they've only known each other five days. And I just think that that's a lot to put on somebody who's clearly you know, one that you don't know that well or really at all, but also like he, he's clearly just like <laughs> shutting down. The poor guy can't, can't, um, sustain all these serious conversations. Um, so the groups go back to the couples and we get Katie and Derek. Um, she takes him on a date to the Panama canal, which is something that he always wanted to do. He is studying to be an engineer. So this was like all very interesting to him. And he's like, really stoked that, um, you know, that she took him on the date. Um, he tells us that he's not in love yet, but he hasn't had a crush on in years and he definitely has a crush on Katie. Um, then we go to Jessica and Austin and they go on an excursion and they start talking about like religion and children. And it turns out they kind of cheat teases last, uh, week there may be being like strife between them about this but turns out they're completely on the same page like they grew up you know going to church but now they're more lax about it that they would like their children to maybe have like a foundation in religion and 
go to Sunday school and stuff, but they're really just like, you know, we go to church on the big holidays and maybe not even then, um, kind of people. Um, which I mean, is great that they're on the same page for sure. Um, then the couples, it's like the last day, they all separate to have one last dinner as couples. Um, and we start with Brandon and Taylor first. Uh, Taylor says that she has only had two boyfriends and that so far, even though they've gone through this like argument, um, that Brandon has already exceeded her expectations, has exceeded like in his, you know, in his own weird way. Like he's already exceeded everything that she's, every relationship she's already been in. Um, they start to get drinks and Taylor wants to take a picture and you can tell this is like, Brandon is the kind of guy who wears his emotions on his face. Like, and he does not hide it and it doesn't seem like he wants to. And you can see immediately his face fall and it's just like his eyes glazed over and it was like, I was so sick of the social media stuff. So she also is like, um, can you just like take your hands out of the picture for a second so I can take the picture of the drinks? And, um, Brandon goes to tell their producer he doesn't like females with big followings because they quote live for likes and he wants somebody who's down to earth. Now, obviously we know that there are a lot of people that are victims or whatever you want to call it to social media who live for this shit. But I just, it irks me to hear men talk about women in such a reductive tone. Like, first of all, calling us females is one problem. But I don't know. I'll get into this in a second. So then they like, he kind of braces, he brings up the subject and he's like, you know, um, it's like, I can't really relate to your social media. Like she kind of goes on to how, like how great it is. Cause she's got, um, she's like, I, you know, I wasn't anticipating having all these followers. Like, I don't feel like I did anything to get them. She's like, but I do, you know, like I just basically use it to post my travel and stuff, but it's also a great way to communicate with like my friends. Cause she mentions that like, she's got friends and family all over the country. And that that's like a really great way for them to, keep in touch and how she kind of like can't relate to his saying that like, Oh, I'm in a bubble and my social media is really just for me. Um, she's like, first of all, most of my fans have a much bigger followings than I do. So I don't really take it that seriously. Um, but <laughs> it was just a very weird conversation that I couldn't tell if Taylor was like, just trying to like keep the peace with him by like giggling, but it seemed like when he was talking about it, like she got uncomfortable in a way that like, you know, like she felt judged, I would imagine. Um, but then he says, you know, he's like, you have been on your phone and a lot, but I do notice that you do put, take the time to put it down and like really, you know, um, appreciate your surroundings and take it, take them in, you know, without your phone. And he says like, (laughs) He's like, I'm glad that you're just not like an IG model who shakes her ass for likes. And I just didn't like that. I don't like, like I dated a guy who I felt like I was never truly myself around. Like, I don't think he ever got like a glimpse into my sense of humor and the things that I liked because he was always like had these ideas of like, like one time he told me he's like I really like the fact that you're not like a vulgar woman (laughs) 
if only he could hear me now. Um, but yeah, like he always had these ideas of like, oh, you know, like people who watch Housewives are like, oh, it's a stupid. It's so like, you know, like you could be doing so much better. Like only stupid women watch that stuff. I, I don't know. I just think I just don't like when men reduce women down to these like, like just you're just doing things for attention, for sexual attention, for male attention to, you know, I mean, like I said, obviously that does happen, but I just. I don't like when men are like, oh, I'm just so glad you're not that type of woman. You know what I mean? It just shows a lack of respect for women in general to me. But anyway, um, we go to Katie and Derek and they're talking about going home and, um, you know, like the moving in process. Katie has a dog and um, Katie says that she, you know, is getting a little bit anxious about all of this and like how involved the whole process has been. She's like, you know, it's been cool to be on this vacation, get to know Derek, but I'm kind of happy to like go back to the real world where I like have my job and my things and like we can separate and like make our own lives because, you know, we've been on this, you know, honeymoon and also on the show. And she's like, I just like earlier, I wanted to take a shower before I got ready. And he, Derek hopped in the shower with me. And she's like, I was really looking forward to just having those few minutes to myself. And she's like, I had to like remind myself that like, this might be what marriage is, but like, she kind of dips her toe into the water and tells Derek, like, I do really appreciate like my private time and like just having time for me. Um, um, just like, you know, to be able to process her emotions and like to not have it just be this like super intense situation. Um, she asks him what he thinks that their biggest challenges will be. And he said, like, I know that you're like a one alarm girl and I'm like a five to 10 alarm person, meaning like I don't wake up in the morning. And he's like, I'm going to try to work on being better with that. And he said, like, he's also ready to go back into the real world. Um, then we get to Mika and Michael and Mika, they're, they're like sitting somewhere else. Like they're having drinks or whatever on a balcony somewhere. So they've like spent the whole day together. Um, Mika says that this is like the first night that she was comfortable with Michael and she's feeling very hopeful about the situation. And then Michael like kind of ruins it for me by being like, well, what's the status like of our situation on your end? Like, where are we? And I just feel like that is like a red flag to me because like you've already put these deadlines and statutes and limitations on our relationship and like what you need or else you're out. And you've only spent like, you know, like six hours with me being nice. And now you want to know, you want a report card all of a sudden, like it's just not going to work out like that. Like I just, it just seems very like quid pro quo. Like, okay, I've been nice for you to you for like a, certain stretch of time. So like, what do I get out of it? You know, instead of just letting them have like a natural relationship. I I didn't like that. Um, but she says that it's feeling more natural and she asks him about like the moving in process. And he says that, you know, he knows that they have different schedules and that they, you know, their jobs are very time consuming and he's hoping that they can find out a way to like carve out time for them as a couple. And Mika goes in this long list on like what she requires for somebody to move in. Like, you know, just clean up after yourself. I'll clean up after myself. Um, 
she said, I don't have a pet, so we don't have to worry about any of that. And then um, she's like, you know, I don't like to be woken up in the morning. So if you have to wake up in front, you know, ahead of me and you have to put on clothes with the lights off and you have to tip tail around and that's just what you're going to have to do. <laughs> um, but then he's like, you know, I can tell she's a little high maintenance, but you know, we'll just figure it out. And then they hug and that's the end of their scene. Um, then we get to Mindy and Zach. Um, <sighs> gloom and doom again. Like I said, she lets these mile markers with the other couples really get her down. And I wish she would stop doing this so much. So, but anyway, Mindy tells us that this experience, the whole marriage experience is not what she expected. And she points out to Zach that he's not wearing his ring. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Now, he tells her that he just genuinely forgets to put on jewelry, but I notice the, you know, the hand that he would keep his ring, put his ring on, that he had a neck, not a, a excuse me, a bracelet and a big ass watch. <laughs> now, I know that like sometimes people don't take that off, but like, why'd you take your ring off? You didn't take the other ones off. Um, then he, he says like, oh, uh, you know, like I forgot it. And he says, he goes on to say like, how he thinks that it's going to be easier to build attraction when they're back in DC and what he's looking for, like what is the marker for him in terms of um, attracting to somebody is like, you know, like if I'm away from you, like, do I miss you? Like, that's what I'm looking forward to. And (laughs) he doesn't know, like, Basically, he said he doesn't know what he needs in help of, like, building attraction to her. And this is where, like, I'm back. I mean, I'm never going to be on Zach's side, but, like, I'm fully Team Mindy here. But, like, I just don't know. Like, he says this shit about not being attracted to her. And then I think he just doesn't get how impactful that is here and how, like, difficult it is going to be for somebody to have, a like, a... I don't want to say mature, but like, I just don't know. <laughs> like, how do you have like an intelligent back and forth about the fact that like, you don't think that I'm attractive. Like, I just don't know how you do that. I, I don't know how much of an intellectual conversation you can have about that. <sighs> anyway, um, she's confused. I'm confused. Mindy says, like I just said, I, he does. She doesn't think that he has any idea how he comes off. She's like, I've been trying to give him a chance, but this guy's a fucking dickhead. <laughs> She's like, I'm a little speechless. 
<laughs> Same. I mean, I feel so bad for her, but I'm so glad that she, like... Because, like, in the beginning, you would tell she was so attracted to him and, like, really excited to, like, <clears throat> be physical and stuff. But, like, now that the wool has gone on out from under her, like, I'm glad that she's not, like... Like, obviously, this is affecting her insecurities, but I'm just glad that she can also have some perspective. Like, this guy's a fucking weirdo. He clearly is, like, so used to being, like, quote-unquote hot. And, like, he's fine-looking. I don't know what the demographic in D.C. is for hotness. There's a lot of politicos. They don't particularly do it for me, but, like... And I don't know. He's like, he's like cute, but like he has to do all the things to be cute. Like he has to do the pompadour. He has to do the Warby Parker glasses. He has to do the tattoo sleeves and the abs and the body and like this and that and the third. And it's like, if he was just like a regular dude who didn't work out and didn't have tattoos and just had like a normal haircut, he would just look like whatever. If he didn't have the beard, he would just look like a whatever dude. Like, I don't know. But anyway, um, I, it's, I, what I think is happening when they have these conversations that I think that honestly, I think that Zach is intimidated and turned off by Mindy's intelligence. And I think that like when they have these conversations, he's trying so hard to be on her level that he just ends up like talking in circles and saying these like, platitudes and like nonsensical things just to like appease her and it ends up making things worse but I think it also ends up making things better by Mindy realizing like okay this guy isn't really like worth it (laughs) it's not really worth it um so then we get to Jessica and Austin Austin has also third time's a charm pulled out the old rose petals and candles trick that we have gotten from both Brandon and Derek. They're probably the same petals. They probably fished those petals out of Brandon's bathtub and Derek's um, floor from two nights in a row. And just like, here you go, Austin, have at it. Um, but yeah, they have like a romantic dinner and they are both, they say they're both really happy. I mean, I can't, say that anything seems to be an issue between them, but, um, they, yeah, they're just super happy with how things are going. They're excited about going back home. Um, and then we see them go back into the bedroom. I presume they're going to take out like their star Wars laser beams and play princess Leia and Jabba the Hutt or something. I don't know. Um, Mika and Michael actually share a room, um, tonight, that night, but Mika puts a big pillow between them, so good. <laughs> then we get a dramatic fade to black. And now, instead of Mindy being in the hallway, Zach is in the hallway saying that it shouldn't be so hard this quickly. Mindy's in bed and she calls Dr. Viviana and she says, like, basically, I don't know why Zach wanted to get married and how uncomfortable he's been. And she tells her that like, he is so uncomfortable with like, even using the terms husband and wife and like, or even saying that we're on our honeymoon that like, he like basically like freaks out and seems really uncomfortable and tells her like, Oh, you don't have to use the term husband. You don't have to use the term wife. Like, you know, like really putting 
you know, diminishing the whole situation. And Viviana asks Mindy if she thinks, like, do you think that this is his personality? Or do you think that he's afraid to be vulnerable? And Mindy says, I think he's perfectly capable of being vulnerable. I just don't think he's willing to do it with me because he's not attracted to me. (laughs) And these um, experts never want to give up and I get that it's a show and like you want these couples to see it through at least until decision day but like I don't know I just feel like they give them these like bad they give them this bad advice and it's just like oh everything is horrible happening well I think you should just give it a chance you know I I don't know she basically Viviana tells Mindy that basically like when they get home she thinks that like maybe Brandon or Zach will be a little bit more comfortable Um, so then the next day, the couples are heading back home to DC and more drama ensues. Um, Mindy and Zach are at breakfast and Mindy asks if she thinks that they both made a mistake in doing this. And it kind of like, um, you know, we just get couples montages and then, I mean, it's pretty boring. I'm not even going to get into it. Then we get to back to Brandon and Taylor, we get our first, what I thought, our first fourth wall break that I've seen on the show. And Brandon's, like, in the hotel room. Taylor's in the bed, like, looking at her phone. And, you know, production's around. And Brandon goes to Brandy, who's a producer, and says, like, when are we getting our food? <clears throat> and she says, well, the food's on your way. And he's like, well, what are we going to do in the meantime? And she's like, well, I want you to have the conversation with Taylor, and we're going to record it. And he said... And he goes to Brandy, you're trying to play me. And Brandy's like, we're not trying to play you. (laughs) Like, you're on a show. So Brandon basically saying, like, I guess he's trying to act like, oh, they're withholding food so they can get content out of me. Like, get real. Um, So Brandon walks out of the room and he's like, okay, well, just let me know when the food gets here. So they follow him to the elevator and he's like, oh, I just want to get a drink. Like you guys just need to give me 10 minutes. And Brandy's like, well, we're not going to do that. Like we're in the middle of filming. He's like, well, I just need 10 minutes. She's like, but you've had all morning, like to yourself. <laughs> she's like, so if you go to the bar to get a drink, we're going to follow you to get a drink. And now he's got his hand over the camera lens and the camera guy and Brandon are going back and forth. Like, get your hand off my lens. Like, I'm just doing my job. You know, this is my job. Like you're stopping me from doing my job. And Brandon's like, Oh, I don't want to do this. Like, um, being a total, total jerk. And so then he just like basically holds the elevator door open. and is like, Oh, well, I guess we'll just stand here then. Ew. Okay. Ugh. God. Um, so then we get to Taylor and Taylor says that she had a conversation with him off camera about how he has been treating production and she said, basically at some point in there, she said, you know, it really is like a turnoff and it makes me not want to be with you. She says that, oh, I'm so sorry. She says that, um, all Brandon basically heard was like, I don't want to be with you. And it completely set him off. And this is the reason why he is, has such a bad attitude. He walks off basically, you know, offset 
and to the point where he doesn't come back to the hotel room. Taylor has to pack all his stuff. You know, all the couples are getting ready to leave to go to the airport. She has to pack his stuff, get his passport ready. We don't really know where he goes um, until we see all the couples, except for Taylor, like in the Sprinter or the van ready to go to the hotel. And Brandon gets on the bus with the rest of the cast and they're all confused. He starts cussing about how he doesn't have time for this shit and how he's leaving and he can't wait to come back to DC. Taylor gets on the van and he says, fuck you to her, not once, but twice. And there's like, fuck this shit. Like, I can't wait till we get back home. And that's basically the end of the episode. I could not believe that he's behaving like this. He really like... Like, of course, it's completely normal to not be comfortable in front of cameras. It's completely normal to, like, maybe even think that you're going to be fine and, like, it'd be a really big adjustment for you. But I think if you're somebody who clearly suffers, like, says that he suffers from panic attacks and social anxieties, this, that, and the third, that, like, you would maybe take that into consideration before you get in a show where you're having to do the most work at being vulnerable and open and having to you know like build a commitment with somebody a stranger I just like what was he expecting I just really I really don't know like what he was expecting to get out of this Brandon really needs to work it out and I'm excited to see what becomes of this and that's the end of Married at First Sight for this now with that you guys that is the end of the episode for me please 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 It's Black History Month. I'm a black woman in need. If you have not given me a five-star review yet, please do so. I'm asking you, not begging, but I am asking. (laughs) Um, If you guys want to email me, ask me any questions, any advice, I'm happy to do that. Email me at everyonesbusinessbutmine at gmail.com. Yeah, check it out. Let's, let's, really be like a better community, a bigger, stronger community of all of you guys. I, all of you guys have been so supportive and nice and like, I love it. And let's just keep this train running. Let's just keep it going. Um, it's Oscar night. I'm very happy that Parasite won for best picture. I'm happy that Jennifer Lopez won for best actress. I'm happy that, um, Timothy Chalamet won for best cheekbones. I don't know. I'm just going to put all these things out there in the universe. Y'all have a great day. I will see you next week. I'm sorry for not recapping Love After Lockup. I still have not watched it. (laughs) 90 Day Fiance is back. So maybe I'll be back later this week to recap that. Um, And you guys have a great week. If I don't hear from you, catch you on the flip side. Why do I keep saying that? There's a demon inside of me who is like a nerd from the 70s who just begs for me to say catch you on the flip side and I don't know I it's I never say it in real life and yet when this microphone comes on it I gotta go you guys bye